Well, good morning. It's good to see y'all this morning. Glad you're here, and thanks for choosing to spend your Sunday Memorial Day weekend here at Christ Central. I'm glad that we can all be together this morning. Uh, next week, we're going to be starting our new summer ser- sermon series on the New Testament letter of 1 John. We have titled this series Light and Love, and so I'm excited that we're going to be able to be in 1 John for the entirety of the summer. I hope you'll come back and join us. There is a going on if you're here early in the service in the life of our church this summer, uh, summer electives, summer gatherings. I hope uh, you'll par- be able to participate in some of those things as well as rest this summer uh, and refresh a little bit. This morning, I, I wanted to preach on a passage that uh, my prayer has been that will help us to reflect and examine how we are doing at being the church God has called us to be in Durham. Uh, it's somewhat similar to what I did two weeks ago if you were here when we looked at 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and the call to love one another. And so I want to look at a psalm this morning, Psalm 133. It is a psalm that God has used in a major way in my life. Uh, he used it uh, among many things to move me to ask Timothy if he wanted to plant this church. And uh, four, a little over four years ago, we looked at it as a kind of beginning church together. Uh, and it's a psalm I come back to over and over. It's a short psalm. It's a beautiful psalm. It's a psalm that I pray really is the anthem, one of the anthems of our church. Psalm 133 is in what's known as the Psalms of Ascent, collection of psalms from 120 to 134. Uh, and these were songs that were sung by the Israelites as they would journey and make annual pilgrimage to Jerusalem to gather together as God's people in his temple. And so I have prayed and continue to pray that we might sing this song together as we journey to the final Jerusalem, the new heavens, the new earth, God's presence with his people for all eternity. And, and I pray it's a song that we sing deeply uh, as we journey every week coming back to this place to be in his presence as his people. And so if you're able, I'm going to ask you to stand as we look at Psalm 133 together, give attention to God's word, and his, him speaking to us. This is Psalm 133. Behold... How good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity. It's like the precious oil on the head running down on the beard, on the beard of Aaron running down on the collar of his robes. It's like the dew of Hermon which falls in the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord has commanded the blessing, life forevermore. Isaiah 40 tells us the grass withers, the flowers fade, but God's word endures forever. Let's pray. God, I ask that you would come and your spirit would speak to our spirits that you would illumine your word, that it might change us, transform us, make us different individually, make us different as a community, that we might reflect you, God. So I pray that the words of my mouth, meditation of all of our hearts would be pleasing to you and that you would be exalted, Jesus, that we might be changed because of being with you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. You can have a seat. In 2001, sociologist Robert Putnam released what is now a fairly well-known book called Bowling Alone. Uh, His book and research showed the rise of isolation within our country. Now, the title, Bowling Alone, comes from his research that in the late 90s and in the year 2000, over 91 million Americans were bowling. One-third of the population bowling. But bowling leagues decreased by 
from the 60s and 70s to the late 1990s. What this meant in this research, you can deduce it, is that many people were bowling, but they were bowling by themselves. They were bowling in isolation. And since the early 2000s, I think much of our society has tried to respond and answer this reality of living in isolation with the offer of community and the offer of belonging. And CrossFit, it's exercise that I do, is now one of the fastest growing sports in our country. It, it prides itself, along with many gyms now, on being a community outside of exercise, that there's more, that you can belong to a community. Driving to Wilmington recently on I-40, uh, we were driving down the road and down the interstate, and I can't remember what commun- which community college advertisement I saw, but there was a billboard with what I think was their mission statement, believe, belong, become. To belong, come and belong. People are offering opportunities for community in response to this isolation crisis. And we see it in running clubs. We see it in networking events. We see it in co-working spaces. We see it everywhere. We see it in the church. The church in general likes to talk about community. Many churches will like to say, we desire to be an authentic community, a genuine community, a welcoming community. It's a word that's tossed around a lot, but I wonder if in our familiarity with this word, we've really forgotten what it means. Psalm 133 helps us understand biblical community, what God desires out of us. Our country was formed and founded to be a national community made up of many cultures and ethnicities, all pledging allegiance to the banner of the United States of America. And it doesn't take much reading or watching, or listening to realize that we have been and we still are a divided people in our country. I'm not sure how many of you saw the new song slash video by Childish Gambino a few weeks ago uh, titled, This is America. If you saw it, you saw that it's a graphic portrayal of the unrest and divisions and oppressions that still exist within our country. It's not just a video of about gun violence, though that's there. It's a video that powerfully, subtly, and not so subtly portrays the lack of unity under the banner of the USA. Just this week, there's been much discussion on the NFL's decision to penalize anyone who wants to kneel during the national anthem. Those who want to kneel will be asked to stay in the locker room uh, or they'll get penalized. NFL owners want this. Some players are for it. Many are against it. The American experiment of bringing many peoples under one banner has been good in some ways and disastrous in others. The reason being the vision of many cultures, ethnicities, and differences was intended to be lived out not under the banner of nationalism, but under the allegiance to a king and a kingdom not of this world, the church. A unified, diverse community under the allegiance of Jesus. It's the vision of the whole Bible the vision of Psalm 133. And so let's look at this picture of community in Psalm 133. In verse 1, we see that it is good and it is pleasant to live together. Verse 1 says, behold, how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity. David, the author of this psalm, is saying, it's beautiful. It's so beautiful, you have to stop. You have to gaze and behold 
Now, David was looking at Israelites making their pilgrimage to Jerusalem, coming from all walks of life, differing personalities, and all their differences, gathering together in God's presence. And David says, this is a sight to behold. It's good in the sense of being morally right. It's pleasant in the sense of being emotionally pleasing when the church lives together in unity. Martin Luther King Jr. is known for pointing out that Sunday morning is one of the most segregated times in our country. 10 a.m., 11 a.m. hour, the most segregated hour. 50 years later, after him saying it, it's still mostly true. Former Mayor Bill Bell liked to call Durham a city without a majority. It's one of the reasons I love this city. Downtown Durham is 34% African-American, 30% Caucasian, 20% Latino, 12% Asian, 4% other. It's a beautiful diversity. Our country's demographics are quickly changing. The census shows that by 2025, more than 50% of the children in our country will be children of color. And by 2050, more than 50% of our country will be majority people of color. Durham is diverse. Our country is diverse. And I just mentioned ethnic diversity. Talk about socioeconomic diversity. You can walk three blocks that way and buy a condo for $1.9 million dollars and walk three blocks that way and read a story about someone in the Herald Sun this past week who's been evicted from their apartment because they can't afford the rent anymore. There are diverse academic institutions, UNC Chapel Hill, Durham Tech, NCCU, Duke University, all around us. And I wonder how we're doing at reflecting this diversity, Christ Central, within our, within our community that's reflected in this city, that's reflected within our country. I think we have the heart I really do. But the reality leaves me, and I hope it leaves you still wanting more. We want more reflected within our body, within our community. The psalm tells us that it's good and pleasing when we live together and that we're missing out on God's intention and design if we practice what J.I. Packer called hot tub Christianity, where we just soak in the tub with people that look like us, dress like us, and think like us. One of my favorite movies is Remember the Titans. True story of the first integrated high school football team, white and black coming together, white and black coaches, the two middle linebackers, they kind of tell the story of the movie. There's a, the Julius, who's the black middle linebacker, Gary's the white middle linebacker. As their relationship kind of goes, so goes the team. At first, they don't like each other at all. The, te- the team is divided. They're not playing well. They're not playing together. As time goes by, Julius and Gary become best friends. And the team rallies behind them and they begin to win. And they win the state semifinal game. And the scene shows Gary leaving the parking lot. And as he's pulling out of the parking lot, a truck T-bones him. And the next scene is Julius, the middle linebacker, going in to see his best friend. And he goes straight up to his coach and he says, coach, tell me Gary's okay. The coach says, it doesn't look good. And then Julius goes over to Gary's mom, and Gary's mom has despised Julius the whole movie. And Gary's mom says, says Julius, he, he only wants to see you. Go be strong for my boy. And Julius enters into Gary's hospital room. And as soon as he enters, the nurse looks up and sees Julius and says, excuse me, sir, only Ken are allowed in here. And Gary, lying paralyzed, turns and sees Julius. And he says, Ann, the nurse's name, Ann, are are you blind? Can't you see? That's my brother. 
And then Julius comes over to Gary's bed, looks down, and he says, man, you can't be hurt. You're Superman. Superman can't be hurt. And Gary starts to tear up, and then they do their chant, strong side, left side, strong side, left side. And then Gary looks up and he says, man, when this is all said and done, we're going we're gonna to live together. We're going to get old. We're going to sit on our front porch. We're going to eat barbecue, and we're going to live together. This psalm tells us that beautiful unity is when we live together, brothers and sisters with their differences, but bound together in Christ. How are you doing at living with people that are different than you? Living with people different than you. Living means more than just showing up on a Sunday morning. It means physical proximity, neighbors that are different than you. It means spending time together around a dinner table with people that are different than you. It means entering into one another's worlds and listening and learning others' interests. Revelation 7-9 gives a picture of the new heavens and the new earth, God's eternal community. Every tongue, tribe, and nation gathered together. It's right. It's good. It's pleasing. It's God's design. And it's what Christ has come to accomplish, to bring to fruition a community united under him. And as long as we live separated and divided and quarantined, we'll have a small taste of what Jesus came to accomplish and what will one day be our eternal reality. Psalm tells us this is what the vision is, but then there's two blessings in verse 2 and 3, blessings that come if we live like this. The first is the blessing of being transformed into a holy community. David gives the metaphor in verse two. He says, this is what this community is like. When you live unified in diversity, it's like precious oil poured on the head, running down on the beard, on the beard of Aaron. Now try that next time someone asks you, hey, what's Christ Central Church like? Describe your community. You know, it's like, it's like when oil runs down the face of a bearded man. That's what our, that's what our church is like. And I hope it it is. And I hope you would say that because I'm about to tell you what that means. It means that hundreds of years before David wrote this psalm, there was a man named Aaron who was to be the high priest of Israel, mediator between God and God's people. And so Aaron was set apart for this service and, and Moses took oil, poured it on his head, anointed him as the high priest. We see that in Exodus chapter 30. It was a glorious day when the priesthood was established. From that moment on, the people of God would have one who would give them access into the presence of a holy God. And Jesus is the one now whom the Spirit anointed to be the sacrificial offering to atone for our sins, the one who sits at the right hand of the Father interceding for us. He is the great high priest, and by him and through him we have access before the Father, and by him and through him the Holy Spirit dwells within us. The Holy Spirit dwells within you individually as a believer. The Holy Spirit dwells within us as a community, as a people. That's what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 3. And can you imagine what David, writing Psalm 133, might have understood if he got a glimpse of 1 Corinthians 3 when Paul wrote that you, the community of God, you are God's temple. That the Spirit of God dwells within you. You get that there's no other community in the world that can claim that. You know what that means for us right now? That God's here. God is here with us right now. 
that you and I are part of something really big because the living God, creator, redeemer, is among us. He's in the room. A little boy brought his dad with him to his third grade class on bring your father to school day. And that morning, the little boy's father was observing his son and a small group of students. And the group of boys, boys were talking about all the things that their dads do. One dad said, or one little boy said, my dad's a doctor. We have a pool at our house and I own a dirt bike. Another kid in the group said, well, my dad owns his own company and we get to go to Hawaii every summer. Another kid said, well, my dad's a firefighter and he fights fire. The little boy whose father was listening felt insecure. He didn't have a dirt bike. He had never been to Hawaii and his dad didn't fight fires. And he thought for a second and he finally said, well, you know what? My dad's here. He's right over there. For all these other boys, their dads weren't there. And all the other boys looked over and they were like, oh, your dad's here. They're like, wow. See, their dads could have been world leaders, but they weren't in the room. This boy's dad was in the room. Because the Holy Spirit lives within us as Christians, and we're God's community. The Spirit of God spills out from us onto one another. God is here. He is among us, which means he is transforming us. Every time we come together on his day, he is transforming us into his holy people because of his holy presence. This blessing of being transformed into a holy community also happens as we live, as 1 Peter 2 says, as a royal priesthood. That we're to be priests one to another. And priests know the depths of their people. Priests hear confession of sin. Priests know the, the dark places, the secret places of people's hearts. And priests remind people about God's grace and forgiveness, about God's kingdom and his purposes. So again, I have to ask, I wonder how we're doing at being priests to one another. Do you share your dark places, your secret places with anyone? Do you allow people to speak into your life and are you willing to speak into theirs? We're missing out on being a community and receiving this blessing if we aren't living like priests. But when we do, the Holy Spirit is poured out and runs over onto one another and we begin to have this holy aroma, this holy smell as we're being transformed more and more into Christ's likeness. But this blessing of being this unified, diverse community isn't just a blessing that we receive. Pick up from the second metaphor used. It's a blessing that's supposed to flow from us to our neighbors, to our city, and to the world. It's the blessing of being a life-giving community. Look at verse 3. Here's what this community is like, the blessing of being this type of community. It's like the dew of Hermon, which falls on Mount Zion. Mount Hermon was the highest peak in Israel, 9,000 feet above sea level. Majestic snow-capped mountain. Mount Zion was this small little hill in Jerusalem where the temple dwelt. So as the snow melted on Hermon, it would run down onto Zion. And you can imagine when the water's flowing down, it's going to cause growth and refreshment and productivity. When the church dwells together in unity, it doesn't drain us, it doesn't exhaust us, it doesn't wear us out. Things that I have said before and I've heard many say before. But this community should refresh and energize and cause us to flourish. 
and the fruit of productivity like love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control begins to, to grow within us and people around us begin to experience it. And this blessing flows from us unto our neighbors. It flows down and we begin to bless our city. The city around us, around us begins to flourish from the life we receive and the life that we offer in Christ. So let me give you some practical things this morning. Very practical. This means you should be a member of a community. Very simple. Doesn't have to be Christ Central Church. Please, if you're visiting, glad you're here. I'm not, not about trying to sell you our church to get you committed this morning. I am saying, based in light of this biblical vision of Psalm 133, that without being committed to a community, you're missing out about, on being a part of a community the church which Jesus came to die for and build. So I'd encourage you to, to be a part of one. If it is our church, we'd love to, for that to be true. But there are many great churches in our city, and if you're living in other cities, in your cities. Here's the second thing. Be a part of group life in our church. If you are a part of our church, be a part of more committed, smaller community. City groups. Bible studies, summer gatherings, summer electives. People need to know you more than just on Sunday mornings. Are, people, are you getting to know people beyond Sunday? Here's the third thing. If you feel connected to people in our church, maybe you have a group. You know I'm kind of progressing here. If, you have, if there are people that you're connected to in our church, I pray that your group never has the vision of being us four and no more. Us four, no more. We got our group and we're insular. That should never be the case here at our church. We should always have an outward looking face, looking to give life and cause others around us to flourish. And here's my last kind of practical piece. To engage and welcome and be hospitable to all people, especially those who are different than you. To seek to get to know people that are different than you. It's not that hard. I've already said that our city is extremely diverse. You don't have to look very far. You have to look very far in our church. But are you pursuing and hospitable to people different? Now, I want to end by asking this question. How can Christ Central be a unified, diverse community that has a, a holy aroma and that's flourishing within and causing those to flourish without? Let me read Psalm 133 one more time. I think we can miss the point. The Hebrew, the original language is very clear. We can miss it in the English. And so I'm going to read it one more time with emphasis to see if you pick up on how this community happens. Behold, how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity. That's the vision. It's like the precious oil on the head running down on the beard, on the beard of Aaron, running down on the collar of his robes. It's like the dew of Hermon, which falls on the mountains of Zion. It comes down, for there the Lord has commanded the blessing life forevermore. How does it happen? It comes down. It descends, 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 for there the Lord bestows blessing life forevermore. This gift of true community, which is a gift from God, comes from above. It is bestowed rather than contrived. It's a blessing more than an achievement. It must come down. So perhaps more than a psalm of ascent, Psalm 133 should be called a psalm of descent. This is what God wants and is what he is doing. This is what God does. This is how he works. He comes down. 
He's so committed to us, so committed to making a new community that he descended and descended and descended. Jesus came down and descended further into suffering and then he descended further into death so that we might be a unified people. The only way for that to happen was was that the son who knew perfect unity with the Father and the Spirit had to be estranged and torn away from this triune community as he hung on the cross. The Holy Spirit descends and fills us as believers, fills us as a community. The Spirit of God reminds us what Christ has done. The Spirit of God leads us to engage as priests to one another and to point each other to our great hope that one day, someday, we will arrive to the final Jerusalem, the new heavens and the new earth where brothers and sisters dwell together in perfect unity, no division, perfectly together in Christ. So until then, only by God's grace, only by God's grace can we be this kind of community. Lord knows for the past five years plus, I try to manufacture it, I try to contrive it, I I try to do things to make this type of community happen in our church, but I'm convinced more and more the only way it will happen is if God gifts it to us. If God makes it happen, if the Spirit of God rolls down upon us and makes us this type of people. So pray for it. We've got to pray for it. And we've got to engage with one another and we've got to engage in our city so that we might be a community where life is tasted within and life is tasted without. Let's pray. God, I do ask that you would do what only you can do. Lord, we labor and we try to be faithful to strive. We want to listen and learn and repent and love and we want the Spirit of God to be at work. We don't want the doors closed, the windows shut, thinking we know how to do church, thinking we know we're in control in some way. We need a fresh wind to blow upon us as your people that we might be a witness Lord, to a city that's divided. Lord, as I said earlier, the church is often divided. May we be unified in Christ. May we love one another deeply. May we be priests. And may, as that, that is true of us, may we be transformed into a holy people. And may we experience life that comes from being together in you. And, and I do pray that this city, this whole area would experience the life that comes from you because of our church being the hands and feet, causing flourishing to all around. Pray you bless your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.